You can turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I'm excited because this season that we're in is always a good season. We are, we just celebrated Easter and we're leaning toward and moving towards celebrating Pentecost Sunday. Now, if you don't know, Pentecost Sunday is uh, 50 days after, 50 days after uh, uh, Jesus' resurrection. And that's what, you know, Pentecost means, is 50 days, or Pentecost actually means 50. And so we celebrate Pentecost Sunday 50 days after, uh, the, after Easter, 50 days after Easter. And uh, in Acts, we see the first Pentecost, right? this is not the first time they celebrated Pentecost Sunday, because it originally was 50 days after Passover. And I can explain all that. I've done it before, but I don't have time today. I want to go a different route. But the point is, this was the first day that the church actually began. Now, I've quoted some of this scripture and I've talked about it, but I thought today that I, I every once in a while, I'll bring my physical Bible because usually I preach out of my, my iPad, but I, I like doing this for several reasons. Number one, this is a side note, by the way, this is a bonus. Why do I bring my Bible? Number one, you know, if all we have is digital Bibles, I think that's great. I have all my notes on digital Bibles. I have, I have uh, several digital Bibles. You can have translations at your fingertips. It's great. But I like for my kids to see that there's an actual written word that God gave us. And I think it's important for them to see me have it, cherish it, take care of it. In our very little kids' rooms in the nurseries, we'll teach them we love our Bible. We love, and we'll have a little Bible in there, we'll take it, and we'll, we'll rub it on them and, and show them, no, we love our Bible. We don't throw our Bible down, we don't, we don't mark on our Bibles, we don't rip the pages, we love our Bible. Well, why? Because it's the breathed Word of God written to you and I. And so I felt like I should read this out today straight from the Bible, and if you're there in Acts chapter 1, I'm going to start, I'm going to read several verses in the first chapter, then we're going to jump to chapter two and we'll read several verses there. So stick with me. I don't normally read this much scripture, but for some of you, it might be the most Bible you've read all week. I'm just, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. I was just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. All right. Not a way to start. Not a way to start. All right. Y'all forgive me. All right. So I'm just kidding. All right. Acts chapter one in verse four. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. Everybody say this out loud. Say the promise. To wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, Jesus said, you have heard from me. Verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. There are people that will tell you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we're going to read about in the next chapter, that it was done away with, or that it was, it was just for that time, or it was just for that season, or, or it was, there, there's people, you would call them cessationists. They believe that it ceased when the apostles died. And there's a lot of people that believe that, but here's what I, I just can't wrap my head around. If it was good enough for Jesus, and Jesus said and commanded them to do it, and then we saw the fruit that came from what happened. This was a command from Jesus. If you read through 
uh, of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see on multiple occasions, Jesus said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He told the disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, I am God, he is God. In the same chapter that that verse is quoted in one of the Gospels, he goes on to say, that's why I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, because when he comes, he's going to be an extension of us. What he says is what the Father says, because the Holy Spirit is, is part of us, and that's where we get the idea of or the thought of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So what's the promise? What's the promise that we're, we're spoken of here that Jesus is telling us about? Well, look at verse 8. But you shall receive power. Everybody say power. power. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If you have a Bible like this, a written one I've, I've already marked in here and I've got highlighter and stuff in here. Um, whether it's a digital Bible or not, I wanted to, I'd encourage you to take a note there of the word upon. Upon. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Upon you. I'm going to keep going, but find a way. Maybe if you have a pen, highlight or something, make a note of that. Upon you. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why or what is the power for? Jesus explains, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I think it's interesting that Jesus outlined the, the geographical area they were familiar with, but he, being God, knew that there was a lot more than just the area they were familiar with. He, he knew that eventually there would be Americas and there would be uh, everything that we have today in the world. They didn't understand all that. They, they wouldn't have been able to fathom. So he just said to the ends of the earth. What are we to be witnesses of? Well, check this out. Go ahead to uh, chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, if you back up and read the chapter before, you'll see there were about 120 of them, which included the disciples, including Matthias, who replaced uh, Judas Iscariot, uh, and it also included Mary, the mother of Jesus. So anybody who has an opinion about, you know, oh, well, well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that was just for the disciples, then why did all 120 who were in the upper room praying, why did they all Get filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, let's read what happens. So, and suddenly, verse 2, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Say this out loud. Say, everybody got it. Each of them. Each of them. And they were all, say all. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I'm not, um, you know, a super genius, but I'm a pretty smart guy. And I, I, uh, I recognize and realize that all means all. You know what's amazing? My two, three, and five-year-olds recognize that all means all. If you tell them I'm going to give you something and then all of a sudden you break it up and, and disperse it to the other kids, it's an issue. 
We have a thing at the Clark household called cookie night. It's a big deal. Pastor JT likes cookies. And when I say I like cookies, what I mean is I actually really like cookie dough. Can I get an amen for anybody that loves cookie dough in here today? I love me some cookie dough. I don't even need a cookie. Don't waste time with 350 degrees and eight to nine minutes in the oven. Let me just go ahead and take that big silver spoon, dip it in the bowl, get that chocolate chip gooeyness all mixed in there together with the butter and all the, yes, sir. Get it all that sugar and let me just take it right off the spoon. We don't have to waste time with all that other stuff. If y'all want the cookies, have the cookies. I'll take the cookie dough. But once the cookie, because we don't let our kids eat the cookie dough, or we, it's funny, we try to hide it. <laughs> and so we'll sneak it. So one of us will go and like entertain the kids, like, you go, you go. And my wife will go in there and she'll sneak the cookie dough. And then she'll come back, it's your, it's your turn, it's your turn. And then I'll sneak in the kitchen and I'll get the cookie dough. Oh, it's a true story, it's a true story. <laughs> and uh, when we get the cookies out, though, you know, they don't want half a cookie. They don't want a quarter cookie. And Josh, the youngest, the two-year-old, my two-year-old little boy, he will let you know real quick, this is not a full cookie, bro. What game are you playing over there? I know up on that counter that I can't quite reach. And he's so funny. He'll just disappear for a few minutes. All of a sudden, he comes back and his little two-year-old self carrying a, a little kid chair. Like, what you doing with this? And he'll sit in the kid chair right in front of the oven. And of course, this is, you know, we have to be careful because the oven's still hot. And, you know, we don't want him to get burned. We're like, what are you doing? You know, what's he doing? He's trying to get up and get himself a full cookie. He don't want a half cookie. He don't want a partial cookie. I'm here to tell you today, not part of the disciples, not part of our believers, not part of the Christ, Christians in the world today, not part of, 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 uh, of those that God loves, not a part of them get the Holy Spirit. Not, not a, it's not partial. As a matter of fact, in, in, in the Bible, God tells us he's not partial. He shows no partiality. He is no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for the next. So when we see they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they get this power endued from on high, it was not just for them. And we know that because as you go through the book of Acts, and I, I hope we'll have time over the next couple of weeks to actually dive in and look at all these stories. But read Acts chapter 9. Read Acts. Read Acts uh, uh, I don't have them all written down to tell you, but there are several. Just read through the book of Acts. If you want to know where to read the Bible this week, start. Acts chapter 1. Read what I just read to you. Then go through and read these stories, and you'll see that they got saved. Then they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Several times. Several times. It was, you know, being filled with the Spirit is a subsequent or secondary action. Now, I want to pause for a moment. Because whenever you talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, there are, there are people out there who believe that you're not saved unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I do not believe that. I cannot find that in the Bible. I believe that salvation is just what the Bible says salvation is. That when you... Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you're saved. And that you're born again at that moment. As you, you know, when we say a salvation prayer, it, it's, it's a prayer, but the prayer is just the, 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 the act of you doing what God says to do to be saved. What's happening on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit makes you new. 
So you have the Holy Spirit inside of you at that moment. And it's actually what I want to kind of talk about today is the Holy Spirit within you. Because the Holy Spirit in you is in there for a purpose. Jesus did not go through everything he went through to give us uh, the Holy Spirit. To, to, you know, I've said it for several weeks, I don't have time to go into all the theology of it, but our bodies were not capable of housing the Holy Spirit until Jesus did what he did. Until his blood was shed for us. So for us to take lightly... And I'm not saying anybody in this room does, but I'm talking about the church as a whole or, or the global church to take lightly the Holy Spirit. I, I see stuff posted all the time that it's the, uh, um, you know, the, the least talked about person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. There was a pastor a while back, he did a whole sermon series, a large church, one of the largest churches in America. And he did a sermon series because he believes, uh, similar to we do, that he believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, believes in speaking in tongues. And he did a whole series called The God I Never Knew. And the reason he titled the series that way was because the church that he grew up in, the denominational church that he grew up in, never taught about the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the church I grew up in, but it was very similar. They taught about God. They had great doctrine on salvation, talked about Jesus, but that was about it. That was about it. And they would give you, you know, good self-help sermons and things that make you feel good. But, but why do we have the power endued from the Holy Spirit? Like, like what's the purpose of this? I want to finish reading through this, and then I want to tell you the, the, what I believe, maybe not the whole total aspect, but what I believe is, is, is the point of all this. Here we go. Ready? Then there appeared to them divided tongues. We already read that. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Let's go to verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation. Notice, these people came to Jerusalem from all over the world. Verse 6, when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them, the 120, the ones who were filled with the Holy Spirit, everyone in the multitude heard them speaking in their own language. I'll come back to that. Verse 7, then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear, that we hear, that, we, that, that, that there was, a, there was a, obviously God working in them, in them, there was a hearing, they were able to hear their own languages. How are we able to hear each in our own language in which we were born? And it goes on, verse 9, 10, and 11, mention all the places. There's about 15 different places that the people are from. Go to verse 11. Uh, verse 12, sorry. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they are full of new wine. In other words, they are drunk. Here's where we're going. Verse 14. But Peter, thank God for Peter. Thank God for Peter. Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose. Since it is only the third hour of the day, the way they counted hours is about 9 a.m. Since it's only about 9 a.m. Obviously, Peter had never been to spring break in Cancun. But in their day and time, it was, no one got drunk at 9 a.m. 
It wasn't, it, wasn't, it didn't happen. He said, this is, this is crazy. They are not drunk as you suppose, but this, haha, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And here's what Joel said. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maids, men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the power that Jesus, Jesus said, wait right here, y'all sit tight because I'm sending you a promise that comes with power. How many of y'all know God is for you? How many of y'all know God is with you? But God is also in you. God's not just for you. God's not just with you, but God is also in you. In Romans 8, 31, it says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Man, if that won't get you shouting, I don't know what will. Because whatever comes against you, whatever the devil tries to throw against you, whatever comes your way, you can look right at it and say, no, 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 you don't understand. My God is for me. He is not against me. So what does it matter who's against me? Who can be against me? I can show you verse after verse that says God is for you. But you know what? He's not just for you. He's also with you. One of my favorite verses, Hebrews 13, verses 5. I'm going to go to verse 6. Hebrews 13, 6. So we may, uh, no, I'm sorry, it's verse five. Let your conduct be without covetousness, be content, for he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? How many of y'all know God is with you? He's with you. He's not just for you, he's also with you. But not only is he with you, see, we have a better covenant on better promises, the Bible tells us. In the Old Testament, they had both of these things. This is really good if you'll catch this. This is what bothers me about, you know, any atmosphere that would not teach you about the Holy Spirit because in the Old Testament, that's how it was, but God gave us, Jesus gave us a new covenant based on better promises. Hebrews 8. But now he, Jesus, has attained, obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Okay, pastor, you're hitting me with a lot here today. What are you trying to tell me? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. That we, we could, God could have just left us the same with God with us and God for us. But he didn't just leave us there. He gave us a better covenant. Notice what it says. A better covenant, 
which was established on better promises. Who did this? Jesus Christ did this. How did he do it? He died on the cross. He shed his blood for the remission of sins. Then he went down. He defeated death, hell, and the grave and came up, rose from the dead, overcame, put the devil under his feet, sat us on top of his shoulders. The Bible says the government shall be on his shoulders. That we are, the, we are connected to Jesus Christ. Where he goes, I go. If he's in heaven, I'm in heaven. If he's a part of, listen, whatever, whatever's in him is in me because he said greater work shall you do than me. You shall walk. He said you can tread on serpents. Doesn't mean I go and try to find snakes to walk on. He was talking about demons and principalities. Let me tell y'all something. I learned something the other day. Y'all might not realize this. Y'all, you might not know. I'm going to help you today on, on a natural level and a spiritual level. You ready? When you get a package from FedEx, there's a couple options you have. I don't know about UPS, but we ordered something from FedEx at the church, um, not here, but in Florence a couple months ago. is when we were getting ready for Sumter. And it ended up being the wrong thing. And so I was dealing with the vendor on the phone, and he's a, he's a, a friend of mine. We've been, we've been doing business for a long time. And so he said, JT, here's what we're going to do. When the package comes, you, you, you don't, JT, listen to me, don't receive the package. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, there's a thing called refusing the package. And I said, I didn't know that. He said, yeah. He said, listen, when they show up, make sure that you tell whoever's answering the door, whoever receives it, do not receive it, refuse it. And I said, you can do that? He said, oh yeah, you can do that. You can refuse the package. And I said, well, then what happens to it? He said, it's the win-win for both of us because then you don't pay the shipping, the vendor doesn't pay the shipping, and everybody just gets to eat the cost, and FedEx, free of charge, will return to sender. When the devil tries to send you a package, you have every right and every authority to stand at your doorstep and say, no, not today, Satan. I'm refusing that package. Return to sender, baby. Return to sender. Take that. Take your sickness. Take your disease. Take your calamity. Take your problem. Take that issue. I don't have time for that today. I've got to be of good cheer. You can take that back. No, I'm not receiving that. Mm-mm, I don't receive that. See, why can, you, why can you do that? Because inside of you, not just for you, not just with you, but inside of you, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. God isn't just for you. He isn't just with you. He's inside of you. Look at John chapter 14. Whew. Man, this is a good day at Family Worship Center. Let me tell you. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Here we see Jesus again talking about the Holy Spirit. He will give you another helper, that he may abide with you, everybody say this, say forever. forever. He doesn't leave you. He, he doesn't come for a little bit. He's not on vacation. He's not in and out. He's not too busy for you. He doesn't have too busy of a schedule. He'll abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, the Bible calls him. Jesus called him the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. This is, this is important because, see, what, what, what you have to realize about what happened in Acts chapter 2 is that, that Jesus, 
sent the Holy Spirit and filled believers. Notice what Jesus says. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because they don't know him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and, and where is he? He will be in you. He's no longer just with you. He's going to be in you. Now he was talking about what was going to come. He was in part prophesying and letting them know, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to leave, but when I do, don't you worry because I'm going to send the helper. When the helper comes, he'll not only be with you, which you're familiar with. He had to say that because they were Jews. They understood the importance of God being with them. But there's going to be something different now, guys. Y'all got to get this. He's going to also be in you. He's going to be in you. See, he's going to be inside. He's going to come in and do a work in you. He's going to come in and make things change inside of you. He's going to be with you. And when you're about to go into the alcohol store and the ABC store and get drunk out of your mind and you know not to do it, inside of you there's going to be something that says, no, don't do it. I've got something better for you. And you go to make a decision like that, whatever the decision may be. I could list all kinds of these. It could be as simple as lying. See, that's the problem. Even the way I just said it, as simple as sin is sin. Lying is just as big a deal as getting drunk. Not doing your taxes. Oh, I got quiet on that one, man. Nobody said anything. Woo, I better move on. I've gone gone to meddling. All right. (laughs) For he dwells with you and will be in you. In verse 18, he says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. We see a couple things in the book of the two books of Corinthians, the letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. And Paul explains to them, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, he says, do you not know that you're the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Look at the amplified version of this. It says, do you not discern and understand that you catch this? Now, this is really cool because in the amplified, it expands on who he was talking about when he says you. He says that you, the whole church at Corinth. Now, whenever in the New Testament, these letters that are written to like like, uh, Romans, Ephesians, Philippians, Corinthians, they were written to churches, which means they're written to us today. They weren't just for the Corinthian church. They weren't just for, for the Philippian church. He says... You, the whole church at Corinth, you are God's temple. You are his sanctuary. And that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you. To be at home in you, notice this, I love this. I had never read this out of the Amplified until just recently. Collectively as a church and also individually. So when we come together, that's why, I mean, you had, you had to be like, like pretty just stubborn about, you know what? I just don't even want God to move at all if you didn't feel the presence of God in here today. I mean, even watching online, I mean, you, I mean, you had to, I mean, I don't know, I was here, but I would think even online, you could sense the presence of God. Collectively, us together, in worship together, God, come, God comes in and collectively dwells in us as a church body. That's why we, one of the reasons why we come together and why we should keep coming together. But also, when you go home and it's just you and your husband's not serving God and you got a, a home that's, you know, you're like, man, well, where's God still in you? He hasn't left you. 
He's not left you destitute. He's not left you in a position where you can't figure out how to do things and how to get through things and how to work around stuff. No, he's with you and in you. He's inside. He's inside of you. So when the infilling or what we call being filled with the Holy Spirit happens, what is that? It's that the inward, the Holy Spirit's there, it's filled to the point that it comes out. You recognize that and you know that by the speaking in tongues. That's a sign that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is where some people get off because some people say, oh, well, that person over there, they don't have the Holy Spirit because they don't speak in tongues. That's not true. That's not true. They have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and make, makes a work in you. He does a work in you. But when, when I, I've worked at other jobs other than churches, and when I do, or when I have before, there's, a, there's options they give you when you sign up. When you sign up for the job, you, say, you accept the position, they go to or send you to HR. And HR will tell you, okay, they did this with my wife just recently, you know. Um, she renewed her contract. She's taking a new position. And uh, they hired her, you know, as a teacher, and it's a new position. So they went through the whole deal. Here's your salary, and here are your benefits. Do you know what? We didn't have to receive those benefits. We didn't have to. She could still be a teacher at Bookman Road Elementary. She could be a teacher in Richland School District 2. She could do everything that's required of her, get the salary that's required of her, or, or, or that was uh, um, proposed to her, without accepting the benefits. They're not going to feel any sort of way about it. They're not going to have any issue with her. They're not going to be like, all right, well, you know what? I mean, I mean, why didn't you take the health insurance? I mean, what's wrong with you here? I mean, do you not want the health insurance? I mean, we provided it for you. you do you not want it? I've been working on new accents. How was that one? Was that one better? I've been trying. Is that one better? Okay, I've got a few claps. A few of you are like, eh, keep working, Pastor. Keep working. Eh? I wasn't quite there yet. I think I sounded like Barney Fife from Andy Griffith or something. I don't know what that was. <laughs> she doesn't have to receive the, the benefit. She doesn't have to receive, but it's a benefit to her to get them. And I know because I've looked. I mean, if I were to try to do um, health care or whatever outside of that and just try to find it on her own, even with any types of discounts or whatever that are out there, it's, it's more beneficial to our family to take the health care provided by her job, which is what we do. And then they give you other options. So once we said yes to the healthcare, would, would you like dental? Would you like this? And, and I think sometimes we miss that. Sometimes we get, we, 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 we think too, you know, we, we think inaccurately about this, but that's how I view. See, the infilling the Holy Spirit, it's a benefit to you. Don't, don't be turned off to it. Because maybe you got, you, you, you heard teaching growing up or you heard, I did. I heard people say all kinds of crazy stuff about tongues. Oh, them tongue talking people and all that. Listen, until, until you've experienced it, who are you to say anything about it? I can tell you about it because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I speak in other tongues. Don't, don't come talk to me about something you don't know anything about. You, you, I mean, really, I, listen, um, we're about to go on vacation in a couple weeks. Not, not, like, not, it's actually going to be a little while. But anyways, the point is, when we go, I want some custard. And I've had this custard up and it was in Virginia Beach. This custard was amazing. It was, uh, I can't remember, I'm trying to remember the, that's why I paused. I'm trying to remember the name of the, 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 I can visualize the logo. But if you've never been 
to Virginia Beach and had this custard, you couldn't tell me anything about it. But I can tell you, it's the best frozen custard I've ever had in my life. Nothing against Brewsters. If Brewsters or any of you are watching, I don't know. That, that family may be watching. They're really good. I think they're the best in Columbia. But I'm telling you, this custard up in Virginia Beach, man, it's anointed. They got to be Holy Ghost people in there. I'm telling you. There's some, something on that ice cream. We went like every night when we were on vacation that year. If you've never had it, you can't tell me anything about it. But I can tell you because I've had it. I've experienced it. So what's the point of all this? What's the point? Greater is he that's in you. 1 John uh, 4.4 tells us greater is he that's in you. John realized and recognized the importance that God is not just with you, not just for you, but he's in you. Well, what does the rest of that say? That, or what, is, what else did Jesus tell us? That he's overcome. Look, here it is. He who is in you is greater than. Stay, leave that verse up there, but I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going we're gonna to wrap up with this. But even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age. Who's the God of this age? The other translations say the God of this world or the God of this dominion. The God of this age has blinded. Who's the God of this age? This is talking about the devil. The Bible calls him the God of this world. So notice this. It says, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Anything, listen, the greatest benefit to you being able to combat the devil on this planet, accepting Jesus prepares you for heaven. When you accept Jesus, you're ready for heaven. You're made new on the inside. You're made righteous by God's view. You, he sees you as righteous. You're, you're forgiven of your sins. You're able, if you were to die at that moment, you would spend eternity in heaven. But if you don't die in that moment, you've got to live for the remainder of your life here on earth. And in this earth, on this planet, you are going to face what John 10.10 tells us. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He is going to try his hardest to destroy your life. That's why some people think, oh, well, I didn't have any problems until I got saved. And then all of a sudden, this stuff stopped happening. No, you actually had a lot of problems before. But now on the inside, there's something inside of you. That says, oh, I see it now. And the devil doesn't like that. And he wants to come in and mess with that and disrupt that and stop that. And if he can get you to doubt and turn back, then he's won. If he can get you, listen, listen to me. Probably the most important thing I will say today. If he can get you to forget that God is not just for you or with you, but if he can get you to forget that God is in you, He's got a leg up. Because the Bible says that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That there's something about the working in me. I didn't even read all that. You can read 1 Corinthians. I read you a couple of them. Uh, there was also chapter 6, chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. They all said the same thing. You're the temple 
of the Holy Spirit. That's why it matters what you do with your temple, because the Holy Spirit's living inside of you. And if he's living inside of you, I got to keep myself in condition to where he can use me. What I love so much about what I read from, from this, from this uh, Acts chapter 2, Peter, j- like, like just a few days before this, like, like, like it was still in the newspapers, you know what I mean? They didn't have newspapers. But it had just happened. I mean, three women around a fire, and he can't even say anything about, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm a disciple of his. Yeah, I believe in him. Yeah, you know what? I don't think he deserves this. I think that he's right. I walked in. I mean, three little old women. I don't know if they were little or old, but I'm imagining them as little old women. I mean, he couldn't even say to them, yeah, I know Jesus. I serve God. And I, I think that we, we've, we've got this like camouflage Christian thing that we like have to live in the shadows and just be nice to everybody and just hope we all get along. No, when those people came to see what happened on the day of Pentecost, they didn't just come down wondering what happened. They were making fun. They were ridiculing them. These are, these are, people, these are drunk people. What's going on here? What's happening with these? That's why I don't care. You can call me a weirdo for speaking in tongues. I like it. Not you calling me a weirdo, but I like speaking in tongues. Why? Because Jude 120 says that it builds me up on the inside. And Paul taught the Corinthian church that when you do, that it edifies you, that it builds you up, that it helps you, that your spirit is activated, that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. He's, he's interceding for you. He's making intercession. He's making all of these things that being baptized with the Holy Spirit does for me. I'm going to discount that because a couple people make fun of me. But, Paul, but Peter came out of that, and he's, he, I love how the Bible says it. He stood out amongst the 12. There were, other, there were the other 11, because they had already added Matthias in, right? And so there, they, there's now 12 of them, and they're all standing there. They knew, that crowd knew who the 12 were. And he stood out among them. The one who a few days ago couldn't even say, I know Jesus now stood up and quieted over 3,000 people with no microphone that were ridiculing them, making fun of them, bad-mouthing them, and he said, wait, 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 let me tell you something. These people are not drunk as you suppose. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that in these last days, God's spirit will be poured out on all flesh. And if you want that, then you need to recognize what you did to Jesus was wrong. And you need to repent of your sins and be forgiven so that the Holy Spirit can come in and dwell in you. What gave him the power to do that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit endued him with power. Gave him the ability, the boldness. The, the, this is what, when, when um, you can come on up, when, a few, a few uh, weeks ago, I talked about how in that same chapter two, when they came out of the upper room uh, and the, the people down there, the Bible says uh, that, that Peter told them that this is what was promised by God. What you see and hear, this is the promise. Let me see if I got it right here. Right, let me just read it to you because it'd be more impactful. 
Acts 2.33 and then 39. Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the, everybody say promise. promise. The promise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out this which you now see and hear. And then notice verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. What promise? The promise I've been talking about all sermon. The promise I've been talking about for weeks. The Holy Spirit is promised to you and to your children and to all who are far off. That's why it can't be have ceased with him because it wasn't just for the 3,000 there but also for their generations. All for, also for the ones that they, the, their children, their offspring. For all who are not just here, but also for those who are far off. As many as the Lord our God will call. Everybody in this room, stand up on your feet.